Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, how many of you at all campuses are glad that you are a child of God? Come on, give it up for the Lord one more time. Amen. Let me pray for us, church family. My Lord God, we are grateful. My Lord, your children, Father, we gather together right now to sing praises to you. We are glad, Lord. We are honored, blessed, humbled that we are called your children. And my Lord, as we open up your holy word, Father, I ask us to receive the word today with a heart of humility, O oh Lord. Let us receive your truth. And my Lord, as a result, let us always then walk in compassion, but standing on your word, O oh Lord. So Father, give us that grace this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. Hey, let's give another shout of praise to our God. What a, what a beautiful day it is to worship God. Amen. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. Uh, and if it's your first time here today, listen, thank you for joining us. We're actually in the middle of a series called The Conversationalist. And we have been tackling some pretty hard, complex topics that are out in society today. And what we do, we first go to God's Word, right? We hear a message from God, from God's Word, and then we sit down and we have a conversation about it. Last week, we spoke about, we taught on uh, gender identity. Today, we're going to tackle, tackle the topic of abortion. And this is a topic that's very sensitive to many people, a hard topic. So we're going to approach God's Word with compassion but we're still gonna stand on God's truth, amen? amen? And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalms 139, verse 13, and you can follow along with me as I read, okay? Listen to what God's Word says. For you, O Lord, for you, God, you formed my inward parts, and you knitted me together in my mother's what? Womb. In my mother's womb. So I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O God. My soul knows it very well. In other words, when you stop and look at the miracle of a child in the womb, you stand in fear and you stand in wonder. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful thing that is by the work of God. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And let me start off by giving us a brief history on abortion. You know, abortion is the unthinkable act that has been around since the beginning of time. But in this country, it has been legal 
since the year 1973 when the case Roe versus Wade was decided. And folks, ever since, it has been the focal point of many political, social, moral debates. And follow me here because this all really started back in 1969 when Norma McCorvey, who was the plaintiff in this case, when Norma McCorvey sued the state of Texas, um, uh, I'm sorry, became pregnant when she was single. She already, have, she already had two children and she was about to have a third. So mind you, McCorvey lived in the state of Texas uh, where abortion was prohibited unless the mother's life was at stake. And so McCorvey sued the state of Texas and she claimed that the law was unconstitutional and that it violated her right to privacy. And so when she brought this case to the courts, the appellate court uh, uh, ruled in favor of McCorvey. And so then the state of Texas appealed to the Supreme Court. And when the, 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 the case was being discussed and reviewed by the Supreme Court, Folks, there were protests all over the country. You had your, and you had your uh, uh, abortion protesters, the pro-choice the pro-choice people, and then you had your anti-abortion, your pro-life people claiming, uh, call, you know, chanting their cause. But folks, to the outrage of many, the Supreme Court eventually decided in favor of McCorvey, and it held that a state could not prohibit abortion in the first trimester. It could sometimes prohibit in the second trimester. And it could prohibit it in the third trimester. And family, since that ruling, there has been in this country over 63 million abortions. Let the number sink in. Over 63 million abortions have been done in this country since the year 1973. And family, let me bring McCorvey's story and Rover's Wade over to our time together. Because almost 50 years later, Roe versus Wade, as you all know, it seems like it's going to be overturned. And folks, this, this has brought a flurry of debates, especially in the media. And we see it all the time. You turn on the television, you turn on your phones, you see it everywhere. And everyone seems to have a different opinion about abortion. In fact, if you were to look at our church, you know, we're, by the grace of God, we're about over 15,000 people that either come to one of our campuses or they tune in online. I would venture to say that if we took a poll of people in our church, we would have over 15,000 different opinions about abortion. Should abortion be allowed? If so, when is it should be taking place? One week, five weeks, 15 weeks, 25 weeks, 30 weeks. And so the reality that even in our church family, I would venture to say there are so many different opinions about abortion. But could I be honest? 
The reality is that there's only one opinion, one point of view that's important. And that is what God Almighty, the creator of all things, has to say about abortion. And folks, listen, the good news is that he is very clear already in his word about abortion. In fact, the big idea for today is this, our creator, our amazing loving creator, listen, he is clear in his word what constitutes a life inside of the womb. And who knows, maybe right now you're watching online, maybe you're watching one of our campuses, and you're saying, Omar, what does God say about abortion? Because honestly, I'm a believer in Christ, but I don't even know really where to fall. So what does our Lord say about abortion? We're going to find out from Psalms 139, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to one, Psalms 139, open up your apps, your Christ Fellowship apps, or follow along in our listening guides. You can take notes there as well. And today, church family, I have three thoughts for us on what is God's view on this whole topic of abortion. And so write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing we need to remember. And that is that God is the creator of every unborn child. Now let's go to the passage for today. Listen to what it says. For you, O God... You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Womb. Now stop right there and let me set up the scene for us. Because Psalms 139, it's actually a beautiful psalm that I would encourage you to read in your quiet time. Listen, Psalms 139 was written by King David under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And through this psalm, he is praising God about how it's intimately involved he is in David's life. How he knows everything about David's life, how he's guiding him, how he's casting sins from the east, from the west, everything about David's life. God knows it. But folks, when he gets to verse 13, he begins to not only praise God for what he knows about his life after birth, But he begins to talk about how involved God was in his life even before he was born. And the first things that he asserts is that God God formed him inside of his mother's womb. And so God's word is asserting, listen, that life does not begin when a child is physically born. A life begins at conception. And folks, not even that, listen, It gets even more than that. Write this down as letter A. Listen, God knows every child even before conception. Listen to what verse 16 says. It says, your eyes, Lord, saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed from me. Notice, when yet there was none of them even before he was born. And then listen to what it says in in Jeremiah. God says, before I formed you in the womb, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I what? Knew you. I knew you. Before I formed you, I already knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. 
So folks, do not miss this. Because every single child, even before they were conceived, God already knew them. In other words, there are no accidents when it comes to God. A pregnancy may be unplanned. A pregnancy may be unexpected. A pregnancy may even come out of some very sad circumstances. But make no mistake about it. Every single child, every single conception was divinely appointed by God himself. And folks, even after conception, it's not like a child is conceived and God removes himself from the picture, like he's not involved. In fact, write this down as letter B. God is actively creating at every stage of the pregnancy. Listen carefully to what God's word says. He says, for you, O Lord, you formed my inward parts, and you what? What's the next word? At all campuses, what's the next word? Yeah, knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, if you have your Bibles open or your hand, I'll go ahead and circle the word knitted right there in Psalms 139. Because the word knitted there in the original Hebrew text, you know, we always like to remind you here at Christ Fellowship that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew, right, and then translated into different languages. Well, the word here for knitted is the word sakak. And the word sakak has a very specific meaning. It's this. It's, it describes, you know, like the, the weaving uh, of together of an intricate pattern in a quilt or maybe like in a very ornate fence. And so what the Lord is saying here is that in the middle of the mother's womb, in the darkness of a mother's room, listen, the Lord's hands are active. The Lord's hands are weaving and creating and forming a child ever since since conception all the way to birth. And folks, what a beautiful thought that is to think that our God is active in every single conception. And just so that you can see the wonders of God, take a look at this video. Hey, can we give uh, some praise to the Lord? What a beautiful creator we have. You know, when we start, stop for a moment and we reflect just like we did for just a moment of what God does, it does two things in you. First of all, it creates fear in you. Because you realize that there is a powerful creator at work in every single thing in life, including the womb of a woman. 
But second, you know what it creates? It creates wonder. Because that doesn't happen by chance. God is perfectly molding and creating and knitting every single person he creates. Folks, that is why when David stopped in the middle of the psalm, when he described what God had done, he says, and I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so, folks, it's clear that from Scripture, listen, there is a life in every womb from the moment of conception, which means, write this down as big number two, that abortion intentionally ends the life of an unborn child. Folks, that's a heavy statement right there. And there were even moments transparently that when even I was writing this sermon and preparing, folks, there were moments that I just had tears streaming down my eye because of the weightiness of this. You know, the normal conclusion of Psalms 139 is that abortion is the intentionally taking of a life that God creates. And folks, even though the word abortion is nowhere, is nowhere found in Scripture, right? Because if you do a Bible search for the word abortion in Scripture, you're not going to find it because abortion is a modern term, and so it was not in, 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 in Scripture in, the, in that time. However, there is an Old Testament law, listen, that describes how much God values a life inside of that womb. You know, last week I told you that a good portion of the Old Testament law, listen, we're not bound to it anymore, right? Because Christ fulfilled that law for us. He came to live that perfect life for us. He died for our sins. And through faith in Christ, right, we have forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. So we know that Christ fulfilled the law for us. But let me tell you something, Christ fellowship, and I want you to understand this. It's important for you to be acquainted with the Old Testament law. And here's why. It's because the Old Testament law reveals the heart of God. It reveals his thoughts. It reveals the heart of God. And so listen to this very unique law that he gives in the Old Testament that reveals his view and his heart on this topic. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 21. When men strive together, that means when, when, when there's two men that are fighting, they're in a brawl, right? When they're fighting together, listen carefully, and they hit a pregnant woman. So, for example, they're in a fight, and somehow they, they hit a pregnant woman. So that her child comes out prematurely, right? But there's no harm to the child. The one who hit her shall surely be fined. But notice carefully. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. You know, in the Old Testament, in case you didn't know, God had instituted capital punishment. Why? Because if you killed a person made in the image of God, you were going to pay with your own life. God instituted capital punishment. But notice in this specific law, notice what God is saying here. 
that if that baby comes out after somebody hits her, if that baby comes out and something happens, you're going to pay the same price. If that baby comes out prematurely and he loses an arm, you're going to lose an arm. If that baby uh, loses a foot, you're going to lose a foot. If that baby loses an eye, you will lose that eye. And if that baby dies, you're going to lose your life. And so, folks, what is God showing us here? That he values the life in the, in the womb as much as he values the life outside of the womb. You see what God is showing us here? Unfortunately, society does this. The life in the womb is not as valuable as the life outside of the womb. But for God, the life inside of the womb is worth as much as anyone outside of the womb. So listen, God has already revealed to us. But can I tell you something, folks? Humanity knows as well. You know, an abortionist, someone who does an abortion, listen, they know that they're ending a child's life. You know, there was a pastor that I follow. He was taught, he was right, he wrote an article talking about how he had a, a, a meeting with an abortionist over lunch, and he had like a long list of reasons why they're taking the life of a child. And as he goes with the first one, he says, listen, if you're here to try to convince me that I'm taking the life of a child, stop. Listen, we know that we're taking the life of children. And that pastor was floored. And here's what he said. Listen, we know we're taking the life of a child. However, we value the right of a woman way more than the life of that child. Folks, that's a reasoning. That's the reason that's decided today. They value a choice of a woman over the life of a human being. And can I tell you, even in their procedures, not to get graphic, but just to be real, at the end of every abortion, every abortionist, after they dismember body parts, they have to count all the body parts on that table so they conclude the abortion, so they make sure they didn't leave any body parts inside of the woman. There's something in that person's soul that when they see these body parts of a dismembered child, they know what they're doing. They know. Can I tell you that our legal code, our laws know as well? You know, the, the, the reality is that in states, get this, in states, they treat the killing of an unborn child as a homicide. In other words, if you murder, if you kill a woman who's pregnant, you're, you have two counts of murder. But if the woman doesn't want the child, that doesn't really matter. Right? Our laws, they acknowledge life inside the womb. And even they acknowledge, get this, that not developing the ability to reason does not negate a person of personhood. So, for example, maybe someone who has a mental illness, uh, maybe a mental disability, they were born with, with some sort of syndrome, or maybe even before a child becomes, has reasoning powers, like in age one, two, or three, that they don't really still know, they're considered a person. But yet, a child 
inside the womb who yet has not developed reasoning powers, they're not considered a person when it comes to abortion. So our legal laws know this. They admit that the lives are being taken. Can I tell you, even doctors, the medical field, they know it as well. It's interesting that fetal surgery, when you operate on a woman who is pregnant, do you know that they, are, they considered the mother a patient and the, and the baby a patient as well? There's two patients on the operating table. But yet, when it comes to abortion, they're not a person anymore. And it's interesting, the Hippocratic Oath, which is the oath that every single doctor needs to make an oath before they become a medical doctor, in its original form, listen to what a doctor had to state. I will not give a lethal drug to anyone if I am asked, nor will I advise such a plan. And similarly, I will not give a woman a pessary, a, a tool, to cause an abortion. Even medical, the medical field, they know they're taking the life of children. And so the question is, how should the people of God face with such sad Really horrific things that are happening in society today. How should we react to all this? Well, write this down as big number three. The people of God must stand for God's truth. Amen, Amen church family? Amen. The people of God must always stand for God's truth. You know, listen, if we know that God has revealed something in his word, if you are a believer in Christ, then we must stand on the word of God. And here's the first thing that we must stand on. Write this down as letter A. The first thing we need to, to remember is that we always proclaim God's love, mercy, and compassion to those who've had an abortion. Amen. In fact, God's word says this. Listen, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in, and abounding in steadfast love. Listen, the truth is, if you are here today and you have had an abortion, whether you're a woman or a man, and you were part of it, listen, let me remind you that God is a gracious and merciful God. Listen, and if you're here today and that has been part of your past, listen carefully, not only do we love you, but more importantly, listen carefully, the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. And so maybe perhaps you are carrying a weight of conviction and of the enemies trying to condemn you of what happened in the past. Let me remind you that when the Lord Jesus Christ took that cross and he was walking towards Calvary, beaten and bloodied, listen, in his mind, you know who was on his mind? You were not on his mind. And he knew everything that you would ever do in your life, including that abortion. And you know what he did? He still went to Calvary. And he lovingly gave his life for you because he loves you and he wants for you to experience forgiveness of sin. And so if you're here today, listen, and you are carrying that and the enemy's condemning you, let me remind you, therefore there is no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Lord has forgiven you and he set you free and he wants you to walk in the light of his grace and his mercy. And if you're someone here today who is not a believer in Christ, 
and you're feeling that conviction, listen, there is forgiveness and mercy and love and acceptance in the arms of the Lord. He will never wait for you like this. He will always wait for you like this. Amen? Amen. Listen, if that's who you are, run to the Lord. There's love, there's, there's mercy, and he wants to restore your soul. Amen? And so not only do we proclaim God's love and mercy, but listen carefully. When we do encounter that topic, write this down as letter B. We speak with relentless clarity. God's word tells us that death and life are in the power of the what? Of the tongue. So when that topic of abortion comes up in family gatherings, with your friends, at work, in a social setting, listen, you speak with compassion, but you speak with relentless clarity about what God's word says on the topic of abortion. You don't retreat, you lovingly, with compassion, you state what God has said in his word. And listen, not only that, but write this down so that see. We also do not compromise truth to deceptive labeling or deceptive reasoning. And let me explain what I mean by that. The first thing we need to do as a people of God, listen, we cannot be deceived for deceptive labeling. You know, that word, the, the world is going to try to spin abortion with nice terms, with softer terms. For example, we've all seen the signs, right? My body, my choice. We've seen those signs. We've seen signs about uh, equal rights for women, rights for women. We see things like abortion is health care. And we also see organizations like Planned Parenthood. Since it has a nice name. If you had no idea what Planned Parenthood was all about, you would think it's the most, the greatest organization ever. Why, the soft label. But you know what you will never see in one of these protests? You will never see someone hold up a sign saying, I will fight for my right to take the life of my child. How come you never see those signs? Because it's too real. Because it's too much truth. Because it's the reality of the situation. And so unfortunately, listen, it's easy for us. Listen, do not be deceived by soft labeling, as the world will put it. But also, listen, just to deceptive reasoning. Reasoning. And let me help you understand what I mean by that. One example is in the case of abortion, in the, in the cases of rape or incest. Now, church family, let me be ultra clear here. Those are horrific, horrific actions that a person does to another. And the hurt and the pain that are caused by these sinful actions, they are deep and they are lasting. So no one should ever try to minimize, okay, the hurt, the pain that these truly sinful, evil actions have on the, on the person, on the woman that they're done to, okay? 
However, and here's what I want you to process today. Is killing, taking the life of an innocent child the answer to this? Does God allow, do we cover up a wrong with another wrong? See, a child who is conceived through rape or, or incest, listen, is as much made in the image of God as any other child. And the circumstances of a conception should never determine the value or the worth of a child. In fact, sometimes those children are loved just as much or even more as other children. And so folks, listen, if God does not give us the right to take the life of a child under these circumstances, right? If God does not give us a clause, right, in his word, then listen, as your pastor, I cannot state otherwise. Listen, my job here as your pastor is not to tell you what I think is right, but I will always declare and share what God's word says. Amen. And if God's word does not say something... If God's word does not say something, I will never state otherwise. Now, the truth of the matter is that these cases are very unique. In fact, in Florida, out of 79,648 abortions, 79,000 in Florida, eight were due to incest and 118 were due to rape. And so I would never minimize those women who had to go through that. But what I want us to help us understand is that sometimes the world is going to try to give these circumstances to make us reason outside of God's word. Does that make sense? Now, the other case is when, it's, when it causes to save the life of a mother. And I know that's a very complex, and here's what I would say. God's word doesn't really address that. Uh, there's a case, for example, where uh, a woman died in childbirth when uh, Rachel had birth to Benjamin, Jacob's son. She died in, in childbirth. But God's word doesn't say anything on that topic. And so here's what I would say. To a family who's going through that, trying to figure out, making a choice, I would say seek God and let the Spirit of God lead you. Doctors are going to say many things. Tests are going to, but listen, you need to let the Spirit of God in every moment, in every single case, lead you to make the choice that He wants you to make. So that whatever choice you make, you are at total peace that the Lord led you to make that decision. Does that make sense? And so listen, because Christ Fellowship has a heart, not only for women considering abortion, but even more for those women who've had an abortion. You know, we have partnered with a pregnancy center here in Miami, Eve's Hope. By the way, I love that name, Eve's Hope. And uh, they are a pregnancy center that serves women in these circumstances. And the, the leader of it is actually a long-standing member of our church for many years. And her name, her name is Linda Rump. So I'm going to ask Linda Rump to come out of here today. So at all campuses, let's go ahead and welcome her right now. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. 
God bless you. And go ahead and take a seat, seat with us. And this is a hard topic, a topic that's very sensitive, very, to a lot of people, very complex, very debated. But thank you so much for your willingness to sit down here with me and just have a conversation. Well, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I love this church. My husband and I have been serving here for 28 years. 28 years. <laughs> Amen to that. And then let's just get right to it. You know, we all see the protests and all the debate going on, on online, on the TV, social media, about this whole abortion issue. And I think it's easy for us to think, well, that's just like a political thing. They're just, you know, they're a political thing, but that's not that big of a deal. I don't know anybody had an abortion, so I, that's not a big deal. You, you live in this, in this field. How big of an issue is it really in our country, in our state, and even in our city? Well, it's a huge issue. When I first heard the statistic, a Florida statistic, it was 10 years ago, and at that time it was 74,000 wow. abortions. And you multiply that times 10, that's 740,000 abortions that occurred since I first heard that number. My goodness. And I didn't know anything about abortion at that time. Um, it, it, only what I heard in the news but I couldn't get that number out of my head, and I asked the Lord, what am I supposed to do with that? So I started volunteering at a pregnancy center, and that's when I learned more about abortion. And I learned that uh, it has an emotional toll on women's lives and the families mm. of these women. Um, it, and it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I, I can tell you that I've also learned since then, Florida ranks between third and fifth in the country for the number of abortions in the United States. At Miami-Dade County, last year we had 14,518 abortions in our county, and we rank number one in the state of Florida for the number of abortions. Um, I also want to share that in Florida today, women can have abortions through 24 weeks of pregnancy, 24 weeks. However, that's going to change because there is a, a new bill and the bill um, is stopping abortion after 15 weeks. Amen. So praise God for that. Yes. So if you're interested in volunteering, we have that mm -hmm. booth set out. Um, or if you want information, want to be added to our newsletter, we'd love to um, have you sign up. Amen. And, you know, at Eve's Hope, uh, uh, Linda, you know, you, you see so many ladies come in who are considering abortion. And, uh, you know, what is the state, you know, what is the state of these ladies when they come in? You know, you have to, you sit down with them, you counsel them, you know. Do you do some honor you do all these? But, but what is the mental state? What's happening in their life when they come to Eve's Hope? She's in the storm of her life. The waves are crashing in all around her. She is desperate and she is frightened. And we get, we hear from her early in the morning, 1.30 in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, Whoa. 3 o'clock in the morning. She's submitting her forms to our center. Picture her, and, and this is what I do. I, I picture every time I look at those form submissions, I say, wow, everybody is home sleeping 
except her. And what is she doing all by herself? She's searching online for abortion information. Late at night, early in the morning, all alone. And her story may, re may reveal that it's just not the right time for her. She's got um, a new career that she's starting. And she just, she's, her mind is just paralyzed of, of trying to, um, because she's in that crisis mode. But often she lacks support. She's all alone. She's all alone because the father of her baby is no longer around. He found out she was pregnant and she left. Um, she doesn't have the support of her family. Her family told her, if you, have, if you ever get pregnant, don't count on us. You're out. Um, we get information that her family's going to kick her out, so she's homeless. Financial instability is another big thing. Can't afford another child or can't afford a child. Maybe she's gone through a breakup, a divorce, and so she's definitely in a crisis. Our culture says abortion is easy. It's a quick, easy fix, but it is never easy. Pregnancy centers offer hope across the United States. So local pregnancies empower women, empower women to choose life. Amen. And I want to share with you the heartbeat. So when a woman comes in, we provide them with, with, a with an ultrasound. And in that ultrasound, I've been there many, many times as I've chaperoned, and you see the heart beating. Mm. And Pastor Omar, it is a light that is being displayed. It's a light, and you see the light pulsating, and you hear the heart beat, boom, 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 boom. And it is an absolute miracle that we can see and hear mm -hmm. a heartbeat at 23 days. My it's goodness. just amazing. I can tell you that um, at pregnancy centers, we offer true options, and that option includes adoption. Mm -hmm. Adoption is not giving up your baby, it's not giving away your baby. Adoption is a beautiful thing. It's creating a parenting plan for the child. It is true, unconditional love. We have, uh, in our society, there are more than, there are more than two million couples who are looking to adopt. Wow. Two, million, two million couples, and 140,000 are blessed with adoptions in the United States a year. So there is a great need. But let me, let me tell you, that, that birth mom who provides that parenting plan for her child, her, she is placing her child into the loving hands of a couple who will love her child. Amen. Amen. You know, it's interesting, Linda, you know, when I was just, at, as you were talking about adoption, you know, Roe versus Wade, you know, Norma McCorvey eventually had her child. She mm. put her for adoption. She had a long, great life. She actually, and Norma McCorvey, the plaintiff, actually later on in life, I believe she became a believer, and she became a voice for pro-life, for anti-abortion. Mm. The, the, it's, it's amazing to think of that. But, you know, going back to um, that lady, that young woman at, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. is texting you and sending you messages. You know, it's interesting that it's, 
It's in the darkest moments in our lives, in the middle of the night when you're all alone, that the enemy is going to attack. And the reality is a lot of these young ladies and, and even older ladies, you know, who are in those situations, the enemy's hard at work in the middle of that heart, in the middle, trying to discourage, trying to create fear, trying to do whatever the enemy wants, right, to lure them to make that decision. And you all do such an amazing job to counter the attacks of the enemy. And when the enemy is speaking lies, you are speaking truth into those heart of, of those ladies. And, you know, oftentimes um, we know, you know, a woman sometimes may not even want abortion. But the reality is that the family pressures are the ones who lead her to that. So what would you say, Linda, to someone here uh, watching online um, who maybe has a daughter, a grandbaby, uh, you know, some, a, a, a wife, a sister, a cousin, a friend that just got pregnant, and it's not the right time? What would you say to that, to that mom, that dad, those parents, those people around that child? Well, an unplanned pregnancy is a very difficult time for a family, for sure. Your child may be a teenager or a mature adult, but she's in a storm of her life. She's facing an overwhelming situation. Number one, pray. Pray and then thank God that she said something to you because the majority of women say nothing to their family. They hide it in secret. And why? Because they know that they have disappointed their family. It's not what their family wanted for them. And so they go online searching for another alternative. So, so pray, trust God, and then talk to her. Have an open and honest conversation with her, with your child, because it could be him as well, your son. So that open and honest conversation that goes both ways. And avoid blaming. Reassure her that you will stand by her no matter what, that you will walk with her. Remember that we get those messages because she thinks she's all alone. Hmm. Don't let her think that she's alone, that you will be with her no matter what. And, and think, about it, think about it this way. When you're walking with her and helping her in whatever way you can, remember, she's not asking you to parent her child. She simply needs to know that you are with her. She needs to hear that you love her no matter what. Love is a huge component in this. So we look to our parents for that unconditional love. Love her unconditionally the way Christ loves you. If you think about it, when you're walking alongside of your child, you are helping her plan a safe and secure um, a path for your grandchild, her, her child, but your grandchild. And then contact your local pregnancy. They can help because they've walked many families through this situation. And I wanna talk to parents with teens. If you have a teen who's in middle school, high school, sit down and have a conversation with them, an open, honest conversation, and let them know that you trust them, but you want God's best for them. You, you want what God wants for their life, but you need to have the conversation 
that goes, no, if you ever find yourself in that situation, I'm here for you. I will not abandon you, and I love you. Yes, I trust you, but know that I will always be there for you no matter what. Include the conversation of factual information and that factual information of what it actually costs just for having the baby. If you don't have insurance, it's going to cost, as I went online and searched, about $25,000. Just just for the hospital. That does not include the obstetrician and, God forbid, if she have any complications. So now we're upwards in $30,000. Let them hear the numbers and the reality of what it takes to raise a child because that child is their responsibility, not your responsibility. But you're going to do it in love and compassion. And God will give you the strength and courage mm -hmm. to get through the crisis. Absolutely. You know, uh, I... I it's in, you know, when, whenever a, a parent or grandparents or, you know, a family member and someone who, you know, gets an unexpected pregnancy, you know, I know it's easy for parents to be overwhelmed with the feeling of disappointment and being upset, and it's normal for us to experience that as parents, but very quickly, you've got to pass through those emotions, and you've got to remember that the heart of that, of your daughter, of your son is at stake. And you need to, when the enemy is hard at work, discouraging them, making them fear, what they need from you as a parent is love, acceptance, assurance, and reminded of God's word. Amen? Amen. Because it's sometimes so easy, parents can get so wrapped up in being upset and angry that they forget that what their child needs the most at that moment is it's just love and assurance and compassion. And, you know, you mentioned also the conversation before, before, and I know that it may be a little awkward to have those conversations, but, you know, we always remind our, you know, if you have teens, even middle schoolers now, you need to have conversation of reminding them, yes, listen, sex outside of marriage is a sin, and there are consequences to not following God's plan before marriage, right? There's consequences, one of them, is an unplanned pregnancy, which you will have to deal with. It's just part of life. But at the same time, somehow say, listen, if you do disobey God and you do this, and there's an unplanned pregnancy, listen, yes, you will have to deal with the consequences, but listen, I will be there for you. Because I think yeah. they need to know, because most of the majority of, of, of young girls, they just go to, uh, to get an abortion. They don't even tell the parents. And so I think it's important for us to have... Maybe those awkward conversations, but just have them so that they know the reality and that you are going to be there for them. And, you know, we all know what happens, Linda, you know, and, and it's, and it's interesting in, in the media where they all talk about abortion and all this stuff, but little is discussed about to what happens to the woman who has an abortion, the after effects. So you're involved in all this. What are the after effects on a, on a lady who's had an abortion? Well, initially, she might feel relief because she thinks the, the problem is over, the solution is over, but that's never what happens. There's guilt, anxiety, depression, and a friend of mine, her name is Diane, and she's a professional counselor who volunteered at the center, and she said it this way. She found that in her, her practice that women with self-destructive behaviors, 
trace back to her abortion. And let's address the men in the house as well, our sons. Men have issues as well of anger, anxiety, depression, feelings of failure, powerlessness, and grief. My friend David contacted me. Well, I sent a message out early in the, in, in the ministry before I started it about what I was planning, thinking God was having me do. And he responded this way. He responded in his message that I was overwhelmed for him. I was overwhelmed because he shared of his participation in abortion when he was in college at that time, his girlfriend. And he felt powerless. Mm. You know, our society says men don't have, a, have a, a voice in the pregnancy, but the reality is they're 50%. That child is 50% DNA his, okay? So he felt powerless and he was angry. Mm. He was, um, he, he expressed all the emotions sure. that I just, I just mentioned. And so I have a heart for the men as well. And there is healing for, for them. And, and so, so Linda, what, what, you know, what's someone maybe right now, listen, you know, we have so many people watching right now across all campuses online, and chances are there's many people who've had an abortion, uh, women and then also men, the men, you know, that, that were, you know, fathers to that child. And maybe right now there's been a hard teaching because it's kind of, you know, bringing up a lot of old memories and all. Linda, what would you say to someone right now who's struggling right now with the after effects of abortion? Is there healing? Is hope possible for them? Yes, there is healing. There is forgiveness. There is hope. Amen. We heard a song earlier that says that we are children of God. You are a child of God. Amen. It's not a coincidence that you are listening today to this message. God is intentional with us, and God wants you to experience his complete healing. Perhaps you've been carrying the, 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 the burden of grief, guilt, and shame, but he wants you to let it go, Amen. to take it to him and release it once and for all. You see, God, as Pastor mentioned, has already forgiven you of your sin, and he wants to restore you. He wants you to fully understand his heart and compassion for you. I'm reminded of the woman at the well. You know her, the Samaritan woman. Jesus was intentional. He went to the well for her. And what did he offer her? He offered her living water. Amen. He offered her living water. And that's what he's offering you Amen. today. He wants to restore you fully and completely. You see, our God is gracious and merciful. So embrace his healing today. Amen. Can we just praise God for that? And you know, folks, listen, I, I want to encourage you. Listen, if you are someone who is pregnant right now, considering abortion, listen, our pastoral team here at CF, we would love to help you through this season in life and process everything. Linda and Eve's Hope as well. If you feel more comfortable going to Eve's Hope, absolutely go to her. They have people who are trained for this. And if you're someone who's already had an abortion and you know there's, you're still dealing with this, listen, let me remind you, there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, but if you're still dealing with it, 
they're starting a study called a forgiven and set free and don't you love that title yeah, forgiven no. and set free and it's a it's really a small group study like a small group bible study for uh, really for people and women who've gone through this and it's starting in a couple of weeks and so i want to encourage you listen if you're interested or you know someone in your life Amen. that needs to be part of this i want to challenge you very easily go to cfmiami.org if we can put it on the on, on the main screen there you go cfmiami.org slash groups that's our small group page then when you fill that out click on the group type forgiven and set free like you're seeing on that on that and then that information will go directly to Linda and her team they'll follow up with you and we will get you and I'm telling you it's exactly what your soul needs to be reminded that you're forgiven and set free can we praise God one more time and give Linda a, 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 a hand if you don't mind go ahead and say don't stand at all campuses Linda God bless you and all that you do at Eve's Hope you're you're wonderful thank you so much for everything you do and listen church I want to challenge you be back next weekend because it is the grand finale the conclusion of this series called the conversationalist and folks you want to know what we're gonna be covering next week do you want to know what we're covering next week do you want me to tell you well, you got to be back next week to find out what we're going to cover, right? It's going to be a really important topic in society. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be finished. Father, Lord, we are grateful. What a loving, forgiving God you are. And my Lord, I pray for everyone who's struggling in this area. Father, may you give them the grace that they need to move on and live in the life and the forgiveness that you've provided. And Father, let us be a church that we will stand for truth at all times and that as we move forward we will move forward with your truth but always with a, with compassion father we love you and we thank you it's in the precious name of jesus we pray and all of god's people say at all campuses amen, amen. all right be back next week love you all